Hello, everyone, and welcome to Praise Chat, a show hosted by yours truly, where we discuss movies and movie news and a little bit of pop culture in between. I'm so glad to be bringing you guys a new episode. I know it's been a while since our last episode. I am going to try to record a few episodes ahead of time right now to kind of get ahead of schedule as there has been a lot of big movie news in the past few months, uh, in the past few weeks that I've kind of hasn't, haven't been able to talk about because I've been so busy with my other projects and things like that and work. But we're here. Thank you for joining me, everybody. It's good to be back. Uh, unfortunately, Abel, it seems like he's going to be a lot busier this month, so I think I'm just going to have him on as a special guest from here on out. And uh, But he'll still be, you know, he'll pop in here and there and he'd like to and when he's free. But for the most part, I'm thanking you guys for joining me. Uh, this is also sponsored by News in Progress, a article website that I, that I write for, a kind of pop culture news website that I write for. And um, you can find a lot of my reviews there. I just uploaded a review today, uh, exploring, uh, like talking about Shang-Chi and its impact and my review of the film in general. And also I uploaded a video or not a video, a, another article last week in regards to, I forgot what I, uh, Fast and Furious 9. So if you want to check that out, uh, please do. Um, I don't know if I can, I'll try to leave a dis, uh like a link to the website and in like the description of the of the actual you know podcast anyways without further ado let's begin with the first bit of news which is the upcoming horror film halloween kills being moved to the streaming service peacock so it was announced a few days ago that the upcoming newly minted Halloween Kills, which is going to be a sequel to the, I believe, 2018. I think that's when the first new uh, rebooted Halloween came out. Uh, it was directed by David Gordon Green, uh, reprising her role as, as uh, I forgot the main character's name, but Jamie Lee Curtis came back to reprise her main uh, eponymous role in the film, and, and um, it was a big hit for uh, Blumhouse and Universal once again as the franchise was kind of given new life by that director and the team of Danny McBride, ironically. A lot of these com com uh, comedic writers are starting to delve into horror, which has been absolutely amazing, from The Peels to Chris Rock to Danny McBride and all this stuff. It's pretty cool. And I think David Gordon Green as well. But yeah, so it was announced that Peacock will kind of be taking on what Warner Brothers has been doing with their day-and-date release and what Disney Plus has attempted to do with their day-and-date releases by having this film be one of their day and date releases, meaning like this film will, will be released in theaters and put on the universal streaming service known as Peacock uh, or Peacock Plus, whatever. Um, it will be released on there the same day it comes out in theaters, similar to what Warner Brothers has been doing, Disney and everything. So my thoughts on this is that although I, I'm not going to lie, I'm not a Peacock subscriber, so I'm not sure the kind of vast amount of content they have on there. I'm sure it's a lot, but I feel like out of the, they've kind of been lost in the shuffle in regards to what they're doing with their streaming services uh, or their streaming service. And I think that this film could definitely help boost them, boost their, um, their stock, boost their apps stock. But then again, I just don't know if that's been like, that Peacock has been marketing, marketed as well as it could, could be. 
I mean, it has stuff like the WWE, has stuff like The Office, a lot of eponymous universal films like E.T., you know, a uh, big franchise like probably the, the new Candyman will probably be on there pretty soon because that was a universal film as well. But I think that this is a smart move, um, but it's also a bit risky only because of what we're going to be talking about later and what I bring up with the idea of these day and date releases. They're not they're There's like a give and take to them, meaning like, yes, you do give your direct consumer something that uh, that you would want them to feel is exclusive. But then again, it's also being released in theaters. And although it may be cheaper for the direct consumer if they have Peacock as a streaming service, um, it may be cheaper for them to just watch it at home compared to going to the theaters. Uh, it could also generate a lot of new subscribers if they're huge fans of the Halloween franchise. But then again, you can get into these situations with day and date releases where if one person, if like, let's say three people pitch in to get the Peacock streaming service for like that day or for like a 24 hour trial, they, because I believe it's, uh, the, you get it if you're a free, if you get it, you get it if you're a subscriber, like a premium subscriber and a free tier subscriber. So the fact that it's also like not really exclusive to a certain tier doesn't really help its case as to you know, motivating someone to want to join the streaming service when they could probably just get it for free anyways if they wanted to, if that's the case. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I didn't really read the article that much, but I feel like that they are trying to do their best to keep their uh, streaming service afloat and also try to get more eyes on it uh, before the end of the year. As we've all seen, they recently got back The Office. Uh, I think they also have Harry Potter on there still for some reason, um, but it's also on HBO Max, so... Harry Potter is basically everywhere now. And yeah, so I think that it's a smart move. Definitely going to be worth their while, hopefully. I Like I said, there is a give and take. There's pros and cons to day and dates. Like like I said earlier, the generating of uh, like one part, like the inflation, it could really hurt their box office. And then also, um, that's mostly the main con of it. Like it could hurt their box office because although yes, it'll be there for the direct consumer to get the direct consumer can like manipulate it by just having one person or three people pay for it and invite they could be inviting 10 people and then if they get peacock they could just watch it as many times as they want for free and that's kind of just losing them money in the long in the long run you know what i mean um but nonetheless you know i hope it helps them out in some way i'm glad that this film isn't being delayed for the most part which i'm super excited about because i would have uh, i really really enjoyed the last film that they made and before that, I had only watched the first Halloween. I haven't really seen any of the other ones outside of the one that came out in 2018, the most recent one, and then the first one that came out a lot earlier than the 2018 one. Um, so this one should be excited. I haven't seen any of the trailers for it because I already know I want to see it. So that is my thoughts on them moving it to Peacock. And uh, it says that it's going to be on Peacock or available on Peacock for uh, on Friday, October 15th. Uh, I'm not sure if they're... If because of Peacock's, like, I don't know if it's just limited to the United States or if they have reached, like, globe, like globally or internationally. So that's also something I'm wondering how they're going to handle. If, like, let's say Europe doesn't have Peacock, then how do they watch Halloween? You know what I mean? Unless it just gets released everywhere. I mean, they could probably watch it in theaters, like, granted, but you know what I mean. Um, it could also be a benefit if, if they had access to it there. But I'm sure they know what they're doing. Shout out to Universal. Hopefully all goes well with their uh, with them moving Halloween kills to Peacock. And those are my thoughts on that. So moving on to the next bit of news. 
uh, Paramount Pictures Studios delays, or Paramount Studios basically delays their upcoming films due to the... Okay, I'll just explain what the situation. So Paramount Plus delays, or Paramount Studios is delaying a lot of big films, uh, specifically, mostly like all their slate that was supposed to come out this year, I think will be coming out next year. Some the biggest ones being Top Gun Maverick or Top Gun 2 Maverick and also Mission Impossible 7. So Top Gun 2 is obviously supposed to come out at the latter half of the end of this year. And unfortunately now given... Uh, they they uh the reason why they delayed it um from their end from paramount's end is because they don't want uh they really believe in the films and also they kind of want to give it more space for whatever's going on with the you know up and coming delta variant to kind of smooth things over and to have that be away from their their close release release dates for their bigger movies they also moved movies like clifford which they were going to release later on uh, this this upcoming fall, and also Jackass uh, Forever, which is also supposed to be coming out uh, around like October, November. So basically, it seems that they've been pushed back to 2022. Uh, the Rap.com reports, or The Rap is reporting that Mission Impossible 7, which had been slated for release next year on Memorial Day weekend, has been moved to September 30th, 2022, while Top Gun Maverick moves to that memorial day slot from a previous spot of november 19th uh jackass forever will move from october 2nd to february 4th 2022 so with this situation it's crazy because um so basically the the spot that mission impossible 7 was going to have like next year that's where top gun is going to be moving i believe so yeah i think i think that's where it's going to be moving um yeah, it's going to be moving there, and then after that date is moved, uh, Mission Impossible is going to be having uh, Jackass's old spot? No, 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 not, not old spot. Either way, they're just releasing next year. That's what I'll say, because I don't want this this uh, recording to be too long. They're going to be releasing them next year. I think this is a smart move, only because these three films could be very, like, uh, these upcoming projects for Paramount... Uh, obviously, you know, Snake Eyes that came out uh, this uh, summer didn't do as well as they'd hoped. They obviously wanted to reboot the G.I. Joe franchise through Snake Eyes. Uh, they haven't really announced anything from, like, any continuation of that property since its release. It uh, wasn't as well received as they had hoped, but, I mean, Henry Golding was good in it, and I thought the movie was still pretty decent, but I'm sure... You know, Paramount wants more assurity in there. And also, they had a quiet place, too, in the beginning of the uh, of the summer in March. Or, well, that's still kind of springtime. but um, Or April, I forgot when that movie came out. But that was a big hit for them, obviously. And uh, that eventually went to Paramount Plus uh, soon after that. And obviously got more eyes on the streaming service. Uh, and now, obviously, they don't want to have to put... They want as much money as they can get from these bigger property movies that they're putting together, like Clifford which could spawn the new franchise or like uh, also Sonic the Hedgehog 2 will be coming out soon as they just confirmed Idris, Idris Elba for the film. He's going to be playing Knuckles and uh, Ben Schwartz is going to be returning. I don't know if the other human cast is going to be returning. I'm sure they will, but that, obviously that they're all probably going to move that as well given the fact that... I don't even think they've announced a release date for that, but um, they're trying to give themselves as much momentum as possible to... Let the films, their films breathe amongst each other. 
uh, whilst also giving them the best possible chance to make the most amount of money, which I think is a great move on their part because I want to see Paramount thrive so that they can be able to take new risks on projects like they did with The Quiet Place. It's always nice to see when a studio is winning because obviously you want them to continue to do what they do, but also creatively not stifle themselves. And uh, at, right now, I would say Paramount is not as strong as it once was, obviously, but they are trying to do their best to get back to where they once were by building themselves back up with small projects and these bigger projects like a Clifford or like a Sonic or like a Top Gun, like a Mission Impossible. So I'm really hoping that they have a bit like their films next year, you know, kind of hit home with a lot of people uh, so that they can make more original movies and have that freedom to be able to do that as the bigger movies always fund the smaller ones and vice versa. So hopefully we get, you know, this this plan of theirs works. Uh, I'm glad to see that, you know, I mean, it sucks that we'll, as a film fan, it sucks that I have to wait a little bit longer. But, you know, I, I've seen top the first Top Gun and I thought I was very impressed by it. And although it, it took them a long time to make a Top Gun 2, um, I think that it's still going to probably make the, a lot of money for them, especially if they if it's going to be released during the summer. Uh, it seems like a blockbuster type movie and same with Mission Impossible 7, which has only been going, that's their strongest franchise, I'm, I think it's safe to say, and that hasn't failed them yet, so I'm glad that they're really giving the cadence to their projects and not releasing them so close together and giving them the time that they need to potentially get the most out of their, like more bang for their buck, basically. That's my thoughts on them moving, uh, delaying the, the two, the, their upcoming slate of films. Uh, it's also nice that they're sticking th uh, to theatrically exclusive releases compared to them putting it on a day and date release like some other studios are doing, which isn't a bad thing, obviously. Every studio is trying it, which they have the right to, and I think that they should only because that could be the way of the future. And I think once they know what works for certain films and the demographic for the types of films that they release, I think it'll be a, a, a useful tool for every studio once they know how to better use it. Uh, and even Paw Patrol too, I, I remember I, I'd seen, I had taken my younger brother to go see Paw Patrol. I believe that ha also had a day and date release for them. Uh, they had a, a streaming service, the uh, exclusive film called Infinite with Anthony Mackie and Mark Wahlberg earlier in the year as well. So Paramount has also dipped their toe into the day and date release a little bit, but I'd love to know what you guys think about the, about them delaying a lot of their upcoming slated films for next year and uh yeah i guess we'll be moving on to the next topic so the next topic we'll be discussing here is shang chi's uh box office you know sur surpassing expectations and the reason why i wanted to talk about this specifically is because this film has done so much for the industry in a way that we didn't think a film would do for a long time uh, since, you know, the pandemic occurred and uh, post-pandemic, we didn't think a lot of, I mean, obviously we've been getting big films like The Fast Nines or The Quiet Places and things of this nature, uh, Black Widow, obviously, and some of them, most of the ones that have made the most money have been theatrically exclusive releases, but uh, like Universal, um, they didn't put Fast Nine on Peacock and in the theaters, it was only in the theaters. And Black Widow, you know, unfortunately was a day and date release. And I think that it hurt the box office for that film a lot because anyone could have been able to get it anywhere. And the same problems occur. 
But again, you know, they, they tried their hand in it and maybe they never released the numbers for those kinds of things. They said that it was the most benefit, like profit they made off of a day and date release uh, compared to their other ones. Same with Cruella. So we're seeing this trend here of the new, fu- what studios are perceiving to be the potential future of their marketing, uh, the way they connect with their consumer. And obviously it's worked in some cases, it hasn't worked in other cases. But with Shang-Chi, the reason why it's such a big deal is because not only is this the first uh, Asian-led big mainstream blockbuster superhero film, uh, it's also the MCU's first new film since Black Widow in terms of like it being a part of it's it was a film that moved the plot a little bit more forward in the in regards to the universe expanding in the MCU and I thought that that also helped its case alongside of it being a uh, a only theatrically released movie it, it garnered it a lot more money and also the praise coming in and the uniqueness of the film really really got people's words of, words of mouth buzzing the Rotten Tomato score was like one of the highest for any superhero movie ever uh, rated in Rotten Tomatoes history with uh, with both the audience score and the critic score being at an all-time high for more than The Dark Knight, more than films like Avengers Infinity War. It's It just had a big impact. And before this, it's safe to say that like I didn't see a ton of marketing for Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi compared to other Marvel movies. Like I feel like I saw more black widow trailers than obviously shang chi but i'm so glad that this film uh did as big as it did and did as well as it did because one uh studios listen to your wallet they listen to what you pay for and i was one of those people that tried to go see it opening night and i did luckily i was able to find like a really really late screen to be able to go see it and i had a great time with the film it's so beautiful and it's such an amazing watch an engaging watch the cast is amazing the story is amazing, the direction, the action choreography, the set pieces, and the way it intertwines everything together just adds for a very unique entry in the MCU, a very welcomed, unique entry in the MCU. So because of this, the ripple effects that this causes uh, is what is what Christopher Nolan had mentioned with his film that he wanted to be the film that kind of saved cinemas with Tenet, but obviously that didn't occur. But with what this film was able to do, and how big of a market superhero movies are and how much they are to make. Uh, obviously, this one was a little bit on the smaller scale in terms of budget compared to their bigger films like The Eternals, I'm sure, and Black Widow, I'm sure. But even despite that, even post-pandemic where people are, and with like you know the new variant and everything like that, the fact that this film was able to make as much as it made uh, during the Labor Day weekend, also breaking records, uh, having the highest you know, um, box office return in Labor Day weekend history. So that's pretty cool. I forgot what film it beat out, but I know it beat out like a really uh, big film. I think it beat out the last Halloween, actually, because it said that the last Halloween was in the top spot for being a Labor Day weekend released film. So that's kind of interesting that that happened. But I'm glad this film was making money. It's doing really great things for the industry, both on a um, financial level and on a critical level. And that's always a good, great thing to see. It's always good to see films winning. And I'm glad that this film is winning because it's showing how important it is to have the theaters uh, be our theaters and also how important it is for us to be able to continue to move stro- uh, move forward with stories being told by different people um, from different perspectives. And I think that's all around great news. So with all that being said, and also I think it was, the film was projected to make $70 million 
and instead came to the conclusion of the during at least the first its first weekend it had made at least 90 million which was obviously a lot bigger than what they expected especially in the in the midst of pandemic numbers it's the best released film thus far and i know every film has been like every film that's been a big film has gotten better and better with each release from a quiet place to fast nine to jungle cruise to now this uh, I, I hope it continues to have strong legs in the box office, even despite the fact that new films will be coming out. I don't think it'll take a significant drop because of the hype around it and how much people have enjoyed watching this film. And uh, only great things can continue to come for Shang-Chi. And that's my thoughts on that. So moving on to our next topic. So Venom 2... There's been a lot of Venom 2 news lately, and everything that has came out has kind of had the audience mixed for some reason. I think it's because they expect expected a little bit more out of this movie than what it seemed to be revealing to itself, to the audience thus far. But, as you know, Venom uh, was another film that was released a few years back, and nobody really expected it to be super huge, but it ended up making like $800 million, $800 million in the box office. Uh, it did not have Spider-Man in it, which was like... One of the main points of contentions through film fans, including myself, that made me skeptical about the film. But it was basically a really cool throwback to all the early thousands Marvel-type films and superhero-type films where it was a little bit cheeky, knew what it was, played to its strengths, had a wonderful performance from Tom Hardy and uh, Riz Ahmed, uh, both Academy Award nominees now. And a wonderful director in Ruben Fleischer, who is known for Zombieland and a few other uh, projects that he's... Uh, He's, a, he's like a Joe Johnston type of director. Very like, you know, even though he is a studio director, he always brings something uh, nice and, and entertaining to the masses. So uh, the, I'm glad that the first film did well because now, you know, obviously they set up for a second film. If you've watched the end of that first film very well. And now we not, and given the fact that Shang-Chi had made so much money, um, well, yeah, given the fact that that film had made so much money, so many studios are now a lot more confident that their films will be seen by the general movie-going audience. With with uh, with also the last topic we'll bring up too, um, films like Free Guy and Jungle Cruise and uh, and Shang Chi all have been making a lot of money, showing that people are ready to go back to the movies and they want to be able to take their families out and take their kids out, take whatever their partners, people out to the movies to go watch these incredible stories that are being told um and with venom 2 they're so confident in it uh, a lot more now that they moved it up two weeks it's initial so uh i'm looking at the collider report from when it was supposed to come out and they say that uh, a mo- uh here's something that's increasingly rare these days a movie's release date actually being moved up instead of delayed sony pictures announced uh Well, in their article, they say Sony Pictures announced today, but obviously I'm reading it at a later date. They announced today that Venom 2's release date will now be set two weeks earlier than planned as Venom, Let There Be Carnage, will now hit theaters on October 1st. Previously, the film was set to open on October 15th. So that's always good news to see that, you know, they're confident in the public, general moving going public, public to go see this film. And... Although that you would think that's the only news I have about it, the official MPAA uh, rating has also been granted for Venom Let There Be Carnage, and that's also kind of created a bit of skepticism for some uh, comic book fans and audiences. 
And this is again, once again, from Collider. Uh, Sony and Columbia Pictures have released the official rating for their upcoming movie, Venom Let There Be Carnage, like its predecessor, Venom. Uh, Let There Be Carnage will be also be rated PG-13 due to intense sequence of violence and action, some strong language, disturbing material, and suggestive references. So, as it said, uh, the first film, Venom, was a PG-13 movie. I thought it was still strong in, in everything that it tried to do. We got to see Venom being pretty brutal and the symbiote doing its thing, which is being very scary, uh, both with throughout the entirety of the film. And I think that they did a great job of giving us what Venom is about and also making his uh, character an, enga- an engaging character to watch. Now, in the comic books, I'm not a, com- a big comic book fan or whatever, but I've only heard about this character Carnage through passing and through obviously other media and things like that. And I know that in the source material, he's a lot more violent and he's a little bit more aggressive than even the Venom uh, symbiote is. And it seems like the Venom symbiote connects to the person that like becomes the person's, the person it's, it's the host of kind of. And this character of Cletus Cassidy is known to be a very aggressive character because in the comic books, he was a serial killer. Um, I believe in the, in the, at the end of the first film, if you remember, uh, Woody Harrelson is playing this character and Tom Hardy's going back to play Eddie Brock and uh, those two should put on one hell of a performance uh, both of them but we kind of saw in the post credit scene if you don't remember spoiler alert Harrelson's character is basically locked up in a straitjacket locked up in prison and basically kind of teases that there's going to be chaos to come in the next movie and so on and so forth and he says let there be carnage in like a weird weird way I guess and uh, although that that post credit scene was kind of odd it was still pretty good and set up what it needed to set up. And in this film, although it's not being directed by Ruben Fleischer, uh, it will be directed by Andy Serkis, who is an, a very capable and impressive director and performer. And given the fact that a lot of mocap is used in these in this film, given the, the fact that the characters' superhero form are in a symbiotic, alien-like creature state of mind or state of form, I think uh, that Andy Serkis will be able to do amazing things with this project. Because, and I just love him as an actor and as a performer and as a director, even though I haven't really seen his directorial efforts outside of The Hobbit and things like that. So with all that being said, I think that, uh, that or at least that's why a lot of the people are ske- have been skeptical because of the rating. But just because something is R does not mean it makes it better. Obviously, some characters would thrive a little bit more strongly in R. Example given, Deadpool. Um, but not everyone is Deadpool. Not everyone needs to be. Not everyone is Blade. It doesn't need to be rated R. Uh, obviously, they want to be able to get as much money as they can out of this film, and um, rated, having it be rated R would have obviously hindered some of the box office that they could have gotten out of this film compared to their first film. So, I would say you know keep in mind the f- the first film was PG thirteen. They got away with a lot. We saw people's head being chopped off or eaten off or. You know, we saw him dismembering people somewhat, and uh, I think they did what they needed to do to get people to like the way Venom behaves in the film. So I think that we should be all right with this one as well, and everything should be copacetic, so to speak. So hopefully that qualms your nerves and uh, and hopefully gets you excited. I don't know if you are excited or not. Let me know however you want to let me know. And um, yeah, so that's my thoughts on the whole Venom news and what's to come for that film. I wish Sony good luck and I hope that they continue to do great work with that stuff. So the last bit of news that we have today is Ryan Reynolds confirming uh, confirming the news that a Free Guy sequel, Free Guy sequel 
has uh is being greenlit by disney so what that means is um ryan reynolds uh, let out a tweet and i'm going to the article now um vulture reported uh the tweet that he had kind of like vulture reported about the tweet that 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 he used to announce the sequel to free guy and this is directly from his tweet it says and after three years messaging hashtag free guy as an original sorry my screen went up as an original ip movie disney confirmed today they officially want a sequel woohoo so obviously he's very excited for what's to come for this uh, for the project this film was such a uh and the last bit of after it says woohoo it says hashtag irony um so that's ryan reynolds being his cheeky little self but going to the actual nitty-gritty of this the reason why i really really like this news is because free guy was a film that one was an original property wasn't based off of anything i know people keep calling it a video game movie it is not a video game movie it just has video game elements in its movie but it is not a it's not based on any video game property uh that's what equates to a, a video game movie like uncharted and the movie that's going to be coming out about it starring tom Han and mark Wahlberg. that is a video game movie because it is based off of a video game that was published by a publisher like Naughty Dog. That's a video game movie. Assassin's Creed, the one with Michael Fassbender, that's a video game movie. This, like I said, is a a action comedy with video game elements inside of it. So just to distinguish that, because I know a lot of like critics keep saying like, oh, it's a video game, and it's, it's not, it's really not. That's like calling uh, um, what you would call like, I don't know. That's like calling, um, I, I was going to say kick-ass, but that is a graphic novel. Um, uh, I don't know. Like That's like calling um, doing a Star Wars movie, you know what I mean? Just because it's like a sci-fi movie or, or whatever or something like that or a Star Trek movie just because it has spaceships in it. Like There's a there's a way to distinguish these things, and, um, and that is not the way to distinguish it. But anyways, back to the story at hand. It was original IP, and not only did it, uh, I remember it was delayed last year to come out this year. And I'm so glad that they uh, that they you know had moved it to give it a better chance in theaters because it has had such strong legs in the box office. And I'm so glad that an original film can still get people to go out and see it. The film itself was, I think, surprised a lot of people with what it's about and the deeper meaning within it. Uh, because I kind of thought it would be one of those kablam kablam, always stuff in your face type of film. But it's a wonderfully made film. Uh, Sean Levy, Ryan Reynolds, Jodie Comer, Joe Keery, the team over there that helped to create the film matt lieberman the story uh, writer and also uh zach penn who's done a lot of these types of films he wrote ready player one and also this uh this film i think that they did a great job of encapsulating the video game culture of the time now whilst also giving us a fun heartfelt story which sean levy always does in his films and his projects all the stranger things night at the museum cheaper by the dozen he's one of my favorite working directors of all time and um, I'm glad that this film was a big hit as much as it was, uh, especially in the midst of the pandemic being a big hit, obviously. And I'm glad that Ryan Reynolds has another franchise under his belt. This one is very unique. I'm glad to see where they're going to go with it. I don't know where they're going to go with it, but it should be very, very interesting and engaging knowing this team and this crew. So with all that being said, guys, um, that is the newly returned episode of Praise Chat. I'm so glad that you guys are joining me and that you guys have joined me. If you like what you heard, um, check out my my um, my sponsor's website, which is News in Progress. You can find them at www. 
treymg.info.com. And or if you type in news in progress, treymg, it should pop up. And you can find my reviews there. You could also find me on YouTube at Praise K3000. And yeah, just Praise K3000. <laughs> and uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. See you guys soon. And peace.